All right, we're back with another episode of Ryan Seaman and Friends. And uh, this week, I'm actually really, really stoked to talk to this next individual. I think he was one of the first people that I ever got to meet on uh, the Warp Tour in 2002. It was my first time getting to do it. And he was in a band with uh, one of my best friends, uh, Ron Ficaro. He was in this band called Third Estate. And now he is the drummer for the band Mest. And I have Gary Foster, everybody. So, Gary, thank you so much for uh, making time out of your day. I know you actually just got done playing a show uh, yesterday, and you did a big, long drive, and now you're talking to me. So thanks for being on my show, man. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. It's lovely to talk to you and see your face and your big, giant smile that you always have. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you were my, I think I was your second friend on Warp Tour. I think Ronnie was your first, <laughs> and I was number two. Yeah. I, I just remember a vivid memory. We were in, like, uh, it, I remember this very well because I was uh, I was 18, and I was just fucking graduating high school. And, yeah. the, and the tour started in Boise. And uh, I remember we were, like, waiting in line to, like, check in to get, like, our credentials and stuff. And we just all started talking to each other. Like, oh, like, where are you guys from? Oh, that's cool, you know? And just uh, yeah. from there, I just, I thought you guys were the hardest working band on the fucking, the whole Warp Tour, you know? Oh, well, maybe that year I would probably say yes, because that was the fucking craziest tour of my entire life still to this day there is nothing harder than that tour even when we were like the barbecue band a couple of years later in a different band this was the diy thing was still the hardest for sure damn yeah so i mean i want to have you on my show because dude there have been people that have like you know have spoken your praises like i remember um i had daniel from Joywave on and i remember when i said the band third estate he freaked out and was like wait what like those guys were like awesome and legends in our town and you know so i mean you guys are like a big deal in rochester and uh yeah so kind of take me back to like w- like basically take me back to like when your career started all the way to like now or like when you like started playing drums and all that. i just want to get to know you know the gary okay. foster that i love and adore all right i will give you we'll start like we'll do like the third estate like the start of that because that's really what kicked off my career was third estate and everything that started there um, yeah i had been playing drums like in high school i like all self-taught i uh, didn't have a music program at the school i went to so it was just like fucking figure it out wow. and punk rock i was immediately drawn to punk rock got into that became obsessed um like no effects ribbed and i heard they suck live just sucked me in mm-hmm. and uh was like well this is what i have to do i have to figure this out like how to make this happen um so fast forward a couple years um i had met ron through our our mutual friend chris and chris and i were playing in a band together and chris was playing bass and he's like oh i got a buddy you gotta meet he plays bass too so ronnie came over to my house and Mm -hmm. pretty much chris fired himself from the band that day uh because we just like my fucking right foot and his right hand locked in within like two minutes of playing together and i mean you know just as well as i do like how like when you lock in with Ronnie, it's fucking Dude. firework. Yeah, magic. <laughs> for sure. Like it's magic. And I'm glad that like there's somebody else that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so anyway, that band dissolved when Ronnie joined Third Estate. He left and I was doing my own thing. And then Ronnie called me and was like, hey, I just saw this band. I want to join this band. Like I'm I'm in this band, but we need to get you in this band now and like make this a real thing because the singer and the front man which was dave who you know as mm-hmm. well yep um he's got like all the magic of a front man and we're gonna see what happens and, and make this happen so i got in the band and we started like right away just like playing show after show after show in rochester and buffalo and syracuse and kind of spreading out and people were really drawn to the music uh we were fucking out of our minds uh in like every aspect of how we lived our life and we played really fast and loud and we were stupid and obnoxious and um crazy and people were drawn to that and uh so that really like got us where we were as far as like the western new york upstate new york thing that uh dan from joywave was talking about which is very sweet of him i remember them when they were like kids and coming to shows and they were the Goonies and the Hoodies and all these different bands. <laughs> yeah. And like now they're fucking Joywave. And 
Yeah, it's amazing. I love them. They're oh. just so they're so great. Daniel is such a such a great guy, and so is Paul and mm-hmm. Joe. All of them are great. But um, oh yeah, they're they're wonderful people. Um, so I I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, so yeah, so Ronnie, Ronnie and I were at Third Estate taking off, and then we got this opportunity to go out with this promoter who hit us up and was like, hey, I can bring two bands on Warp Tour to do the DIY thing. Um, and I don't want to like talk over stuff that you've already talked about with Ronnie. No, um, I, this is your story, bro. I mean, like, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had this opportunity, but it didn't really seem real uh, because it didn't make any sense to me. It was like, we have to set up our own tent, uh, bring our own stage, bring a generator, all our gear, PA, all that stuff. And maybe we'll be able to set up every day maybe we might not get a gig that day it just depends if they have space for us so we showed up in boise idaho uh where we met you on that lovely day mm-hmm. and they gave us laminates and told us to fuck off in the corner for like the whole summer like no catering no nothing and basically like let's see how long you're gonna last before you give up and fall apart like that's kind of like it's kind of like we looked at it as a challenge um and like after the first week everybody started kind of noticing like oh they're not giving up they're showing up every day they're playing they're playing multiple times a day which is what we did like we play like two or three sets a day depending on the crowds and how we were feeling and our position as far as like where we were in tent world because we were always like away from all the stages uh which actually benefited us a lot as far as getting kids in just by walking around and talking and Mm. You know, being away from all the main stages where they weren't distracted with all these other great bands that we were out with. Um, so we did that and we're helping on the tour in any way we could. If we saw somebody that needed help, we jumped right in. And it was just like, let's get our names out there. Let's meet as many people as we can. And because nobody's going to know who we are if we don't fucking talk to them because there's no Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. It's yeah. just word of mouth and charisma and showing your character and who you are not only just as a musician and as a band but like are you gonna fucking do the work and seeing how like diy is pretty much the foundation of warp tour and and all of our generation of musicians you know everybody did it themselves so um we just kept doing it and the more the longer we did it we got kevin says stage some days it was super busy and it was tight and they didn't have room for us. So they're like, hey, why don't you go on Ernie Ball since you can't bring your gear in? And then we made friends with the Ernie Ball guys and started helping the Ernie Ball stage set up every day. So then we got more Ernie Ball slots and Kevin says spots. And then they let us open up a main stage uh, in our hometown with our parents there and you know all our families and stuff. And um, at the end of the summer, Kevin came up to me and he was with some other promoters, some industry people. And he introduced me to them and was like, this is the hardest working band on the tour. They showed up every day. They set up the stage on their own and they did it. And uh, then a couple hours later, we were informed that the drive through stage was stuck at the border in Canada and nobody, none of the drive through bands could play. So we're like fucking set up on our stage. So we had Homegrown and RX Bandits set up and play our tiny little DIY stage and front of i don't know a couple hundred people and they surrounded the whole stage like oh sorry all the way around it was Mm -hmm. maddening and like we felt like we had really like accomplished something like we've earned we earned this and you know it was a lot of fun um yeah all you had back then at least from what i remember not you but just like us in general we had uh mp3.com we had uh byofl.org did you guys use that site it was uh, no. it was called bookyourownfuckinglife.org. I I bring this up on my show for oh, some reason a yeah, lot. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, just like I don't think we used it, but that I remember that. Yeah, sure. like you tra- you like trade shows with people like like promoter names are up there and like clubs and fucking bands yeah. that are listed or whatever zines. And you just try to like make connections and hope that people write you back. Maybe they don't, you know. Um, I I wish that we did that because uh, after that, some of the tours we did were like. Oh, let's go to Georgia. We'll play Atlanta for a show. And then from Atlanta, we'll drive to Salt Lake City and play a show. And then, like, it was just, there were some 
real bad tours. In that. Sure. Well, not bad, just lots of miles. No, no, no. I, I get, I get exactly what you're saying. It's, it's bad when you are having to lose a lot of money. You know, when you're like driving, you know, super far, and then maybe nobody's like buying shit, or maybe like, you know, you're on like some, yeah, you know, you know the grind. Okay, so, so you're on that year. I meet you guys, all that stuff. What, what happens from there? In your, so in your there, career, yeah. We, we kept going. We did uh, two or three more warp tours uh, following the 2002 one, continued to make connections. And then um, I left Third Estate and left music, went to hair school hmm. to get my cosmetology license, started cutting hair. And then right after I finished up and started like where I was cutting hair, uh, I had an opportunity to join this other band called The Sunstreak, which was from Rochester. And they were based from the other band that Third Estate did that DIY stage with on Warp Tour. So I'd already known these guys. Um, they had the opportunity to be the barbecue band on Warp Tour 2006, and they needed a drummer. So I joined and we went out as the barbecue band, which is this when I ran into you because you were playing in I Am Ghost. Yep. And you came up to me. You scared the shit out of me. I was like, I remember I was on the riser and you came over and you're like, Gary. And we got to talk a little bit. And it was awesome, dude. That that was such a random. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna actually ask you. This is kind of off topic, but like, how many warp tours have you done now in your lifetime? Uh, like wh- whether it's been like a couple days or like a week or fucking a year. <laughs> I'm just kidding, not a year, but like I a couple mean, months. Two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand six, two thousand seven uh then we had streaker records and that was 2008 2009 and maybe 2010 okay uh which i was only a part of like i was not doing that entire tour that was like some of the other guys in the band that were doing that mm. um but there's a mountain of warp tours in there um, a mountain i counted um, and, I, oh yeah go some, ahead. All, all the like the really magical ones where it was still like really punk oriented before like it the it kind of changed a little bit mm-hmm. um so yeah a lot a lot yeah i was gonna i was wondering because like i counted how many i've done i've done 10 of them so i was wondering and i i oh, feel yeah. like no, you, you've done more than me for sure <laughs> i was gonna no i was gonna say you probably done at least like eight you know fuck yeah it's a lot um you know yeah yeah a lot it was it was it was a lot a lot and so okay so you're with you're with like Sunstreak and stuff I remember that band was like doing like pretty pretty big things like didn't you guys go out with like Daughtry or something like that I'm trying to remember yeah the... yeah we uh so this is like a really cool por- portion of it so as the yeah. barbecue band and this is something that I wanted to clarify because I heard you guys talking about Mayday Parade so I want to clarify this real quick oh okay uh, and this <laughs> yeah. isn't shit talking at all because no. Mayday Parade they're great um but in 2006 when we were the barbecue band. We brought all of our friends with us and we were selling CDs in the line. And we noticed that Mayday Parade, like a little further into the tour, was doing that as well. But we ended up, because uh, Kevin had to sign off on all the sound scan sheets, mm. we ended up selling over 26,000 records on our own in the lines and at the merch table at Warp Tour. And so we were charting, we were like, make like we're breaking all these records and warp tour had people watching nielsen had people watching to make sure that we weren't doing anything illegal and we were actually not fudging the numbers yeah um and so that got us in uh, a management deal with stealth entertainment which is run by billy mann and billy mann is this like crazy songwriters worked with pink and ashley simpson and all these like huge pop stars okay so we signed with them and then following that um we signed with emi and then EMI put us out there and that we had some some about a year or two of like really big stuff happening with that band. Um, we went out with Daughtry as direct support for him and played like fucking stadiums. Damn, played dude. like like cra- crazy stuff, like stuff that I uh, really was not expecting to ever do. So it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. And then um, the Sunstreak dissolved. Uh, we all had things happening like uh, my uh, mom passed away we had like a lot of family health issues so i was home doing that and everybody kind of really was doing their own thing so i got out of music went back to school became an emt and 
left music until 2000, the end of 2017, pretty much before Damn. I got back into it. What's, so, what's that like, like leaving music and then you're just like, you know what, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do this. I mean, like, you know, there hasn't, I haven't had like a, uh, I, I, I don't, I've been very fortunate, I guess you could say, but like, I haven't had like a, we'll call it a dry spell since, um, yeah. since probably after that warp tour. You know, yeah. so that I met you at, which, which is so crazy to me is because like, I was just like fresh out of high school, you know, and I, I went out oh, with that, I, I went out with that, yeah, with the eyeliners or whatever. And I was just like yeah. a kid in a candy shop, you know? And I was, I was pretty lucky because like we were on a bus and all that sharing a bus with Floggy Molly. But then like years later I did, you know, I did the van and I had to like oh yeah haul our gear from like point A to point B every morning. You know, there are some warp tours. It's like, wait a minute. We could have left our fucking gear on this truck. We didn't have to haul it. Like no one ever like told us that. <laughs> you no, know? They don't. Yeah. They don't. They, they just expect you like, to know, you know? Yeah. You either know or if you don't ask, they're like, fuck them. Yeah, because there's like hundreds of bands every day. I still don't understand like how the I mean, I understand how the warp tour happens, but it's just like, you know, there's like sponsorship money that makes it all happen. You know, oh, so that sure. so that bands can get like somewhat paid to just like get from point A to B. Such yeah. a such an impossible feat, you know. It really is. It really is. I still don't get it, but um, yeah. But to to circle back to your question, yeah, as far as like leaving leaving music and what that was like, uh, it was different because I think the last tour that I did wasn't with the Sunstreak. It was actually uh, with Ronnie. We were playing with Christian TV. Um, oh right, Chris okay. Wilson, yeah, Chris Wilson, our buddy. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't do the tour, so I filled in for him. And then we did that tour, and then I was out. I was just like, there there wasn't anything happening. And that's when I went back to school and, and started doing that. And um, I am really OCD and ADHD and impulsive and crazy. And if I can't play drums full-time nonstop and that's all I do, I can't do it at all. It's not like a part-time thing. It's not a weekend thing. It's not... Oh, I can play drums like a couple times a month and be okay with it. No, it, it has to be every day or I can't even look at them and hold drumsticks or anything. So yeah. Um it was I didn't like I missed it, but I was getting that same kind of rush being on an ambulance. It's very similar. You're in a fucking van with somebody who's like you get along with really well and everybody's kind of wild and kind of like uh, they're very similar to band people and you have like short periods of excitement followed by nothing but fucking downtime. Mm. So it's, you know, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways and was pretty easy to, you know, adjust to. Um, but I had gone through like a bunch of crazy stuff working on that and had some close calls with my safety and my health and, uh, right before my son was born, I had a couple of really bad calls where, um i'm just like why am i doing this like i have to live my life and i'm not going to risk my life anymore um or put myself in a position where you know i'm not going to be around for my family and at that same point i had gotten a phone call from dave from third estate who was looking for a drummer for his project and that was the out so i started doing that um we we didn't do it for very long uh you know, it just, it just didn't end up working out, but that was my end to stay focused. And my wife's like, you're not getting back on that ambulance. I want you playing music. Like you, this is your shot. So go for it and see what happens. And so I booked a trip to California. I called Ronnie. I'm like, I'm going to be out here for like two weeks. Uh, I'm going to knock on every door that I can mm -hmm. call everybody that I know out here. And he called me like an hour later and he's like, Hey, well, you're out here. You want to play a show? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, well, I've got this thing that I did with Ryan and Adrian where we just played Dookie front to back. Do you want to <laughs> yeah. do that? And I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, yeah, I want to do that. So uh, flew out there. And then uh, that same day when he asked me to do that show, he's like, you want to play another one? And then you want to play another one? So we just ended up playing like all yeah. these fucking Green Day shows. And I didn't end up meeting with anybody. I just played these shows and just started talking with all the people that were there and like coming to those shows and in that environment. And that's when Tony came out. Um, he came out to one of the shows and I had met Tony on uh, Warped Tour 2003 because he was good friends with Bert. 
mm-hmm. and you knew that like, Bert was our homie. He fucking pretty much spent all his time riding with us, and which is um, so crazy, bro. Like, yeah, Bert McCracken, fucking, I, I mem- dude, I never forget. I remember him like going in the van with you guys like some nights, and you guys would just be doing God knows what, you know. But God knows what is right. He <laughs> um, wouldn't even like ride in the bus. He's just like, I'm gonna go with these guys in the van. Yeah. These random dudes yeah. from fucking New York. That's so funny, dude. Yeah. It it was uh it was crazy. And the first the first time we met Bert was actually it was the used mess and Goldfinger did a free show in Buffalo and we all went out to that and it was right before Warp Tour. Mm. Um so uh yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got back into things. That's so um, that's so nuts, man. Yeah. That's really crazy. What the first time I ever met Tony, I was on I was on like a tour in O two. Little did I know that I would know him much later, but like I was with this band, the Teen Tragedies, and we had like a show get canceled in um in Texas. And so we saw that H2O and Mester playing a show together and we went out and I saw Tony and we all just started talking and they threw us on the guest list and we told him like where our band was and we just went inside. And this is like this is the same tour that I met uh well, not that I met I knew them already, but this is the same tour that the eyeliners came out and like watched me play it. Um at the launch pad to like 20 people in Albuquerque. And that night oh, changed my man. life forever. That, that yeah. self booked tour, like made it so that I, you know, a few months later I would be, it was just like, it was almost like destiny. You know, I just couldn't believe that like my life was happening like that. Like That's here. So awesome. And as soon as that tour was over, dude, I went back to high school. Like, you know, I went back because we had a month off during the Olympics when this was all happening. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so we booked the tour. Because I was like from Salt Lake City, and they just were like, "Oh, you don't have to go to school for a month in Park City because it's fucking nuts, and there's gonna be so many cars here. Like the whole world's gonna be in our town." So we were like, "Let's get out of Utah. Let's book a tour during the winter and go to Texas and back." And we did that, and you know, that time I lost like sixty bucks instead of the first tour where I lost like four hundred. Because <laughs> now sixty is probably like, you know, twenty years later, probably like three hundred bucks. You know, so not yeah. not too bad. But, uh, hey, real quick, we have to go to one commercial break. And then when we come back, I got uh, Gary Foster from Mest. And don't go anywhere. And we'll be right back here on Adobe Radio. (laughs) Oh, we're back. Gary, why didn't you tell me that story earlier, man? That was fucking hilarious. I'm just just kidding. It's a secret. I do that to everybody, man. It's not funny anymore. I like that. Just making making me feel like super awkward. (laughs) What the fuck did I just miss? I don't know why I do that. It's uh, I I've done a hundred and forty something of these now, and I've done it to every single person. <laughs> I should be I should be on point because I just got off tour and yeah, you should festival, and so yeah, I'm constantly used to fuckery and shenanigans. So I I should have been more prepared for. This. Yeah, man, how dare you? How dare you do an interview after you did a how many hour drive was that? Like fucking. Six? It wasn't bad. We did it in like five. Um, but it was just a crazy couple of days. Like we did, it was a four chord music festival. In yeah, that looked fun. Um, oh man, the lineup, it, it, we got there a day early. We got there on Friday, went in, um, to see like how it was all set up, meet with production. And we were like the only band there. So while everybody's setting up, like Tony, Tony and I were walking around and we walked through the two main stages. And yeah. like, Are we at Warped Tour? It felt exactly like that. Like the old and school warp tour. The old school warp tour. Yeah. And the next morning we rolled in at like eight o'clock in the morning because we figured there's going to be crazy traffic and bus traffic. And we want to make sure that we are able to get in our spot. Cause I drove separate uh from mm-hmm. home because we left the RV in Pittsburgh and everybody took off at the end of the tour and yeah. back up. I had my car there. I'm like, we're never gonna get out of here if we have to go back to the hotel because we had our kids with us and stuff. And so nobody was there but us again. And we were walking around in the morning drinking coffee. And you're just, it was just like set up at Warp Tour. It was just totally reliving all these moments um, again. And it was great. Oh my God. It was really cool. And it was, your, it, it was your son's birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday was his birthday. So we turned pretty much the festival into his birthday party. That's <laughs> so rad, man. I think that's so uh, cool because it's like you're working your job, you know, but then also you're trying to have your family out and you're just making it all about it. Dude, I, I was, I was like cracking up. I was, I was like smiling, you know, from ear to ear, you know, just that's so rad. It, it was, it was awesome. We were very lucky that he like 
accepted all of it. He's been out to so many shows now that he kind of gets the drill and he's super comfortable around all uh, the mess camp because he's been out around them so much. And it's like such a family environment anyway. Yeah. Um, our camp. So it makes it like very easy to, to do that. But the interrupters are his favorite band of all time. And they played on his birthday and he just sat on his butt on the side stage and watched the whole time. I actually posted a video on my story. You got to check it out. Yeah. Because his mind was blown. Like it, that built like a core memory that if that doesn't push him even further to go out and do this, who knows? But he asked me today on the drive home if he could come out on tour the next time we go. So <laughs> how, how old is he now? Uh, he just turned six. <laughs> he wants to come out on the next tour. You're like, um, how, how do you feel about that? I'm fine with it. My wife was like, you got to wait till he's like 15, yeah. 16. Like you want me to take a 15 year old dude. That's got hormones pumping through his body on the road. Good <laughs> luck with that. I mean, God, I I'm trying to think my, my first tour, I was like, yeah, I was like 17, you know? Did, and then, I did, uh, yeah, I, I used to play in this cover band and they did like weddings and, um, festivals, conventions, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. When I was like 15, and I'd fly out and be playing with all these grown-ups and partying like a grown-up. So the thought of him going out and like seeing myself through, like just seeing all of them, like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Dude, I, I mean, see, that's some other stuff I didn't know about. I didn't know you were doing that crap, you know, when you were 15, oh, playing drums for people, yeah. flying places. Yeah. Like where, where would you go? And like, what, what was it for? Um, so we did, um, just like it was like a wedding band it was just all covers from yeah. like the 50s up um all genres of music and playing with the click so i started playing with the click super early which was really helpful later on doing session work or like getting hired out to do stuff you know having that um at a young age was really helpful you know just learning learning how to do that and getting used to that um but that's still when people were using like MIDI for, for tracks and stuff. And yeah, it was wild. Wow. Um, but yeah, we didn't, I didn't have a music, like I was saying earlier, I didn't have a music program in my high school and they Sucks. like discouraged music and all that stuff. So I, from the very beginning had to search all of this out on my own and it was trial and error. See, see if this works, see if this doesn't work, but I have no idea. And prior to high school, in grade school when I was in band and all that stuff, I was last chair and everything that I played, I failed all the music classes. I couldn't, I had a trouble, I had terrible trouble reading music because I'm dyslexic and uh, pretty much uh, n never thought that I would ever have a, a shot at doing any of this. Um, I think it's a really cool story because like I, I too struggle with like, with like reading music, you know, I couldn't really, um, I, I was able to read like some drum music. I'm sure I can get back into it, but like there, there's there's moments where like, dude, if you haven't done it in a long time, like it just like kind of goes away. And there's been yeah. very few instances where in my actual professional career where I've needed to read music. I always feel like the improv stuff is uh, is is better. Like if you're able to like use your ear, and mm -hmm. I mean that's how, dude, that's how I've been able to get all my jobs. Is just like just using my ear and go, oh, that's doing this. Okay, and I write it down, and then like you know. Right. right, right down the song structure. Um, yeah, that's that's wild, man. You know, but well, re yeah, it, reading does go away though if you if you don't like uh, if you don't keep up with it. It does, it does, and like I I had experience reading, um, but my eyes jump all over the page. Like if if you put a book in front of me and asked me to read it to you, it would take me ten minutes to get through a page. It's yeah. just one of those things where I just it's my thing. But right, uh, luckily the way my brain's wired. I can I can play drums. So yeah, that's like one instrument that I I definitely feel at least semi confident in. Sure. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, you were I would I would dare to say that that year that I met you, you were one of the drummers I would that you were one of my favorite drummers to watch on that tour. You know, and it's oh, just I so I feel like you you guys just like wanted it more than anybody else. Where I feel like a lot of bands were kind of just like going through the motions. They're like, okay, I guess we're like we're doing this song again. We're do it. We're there. But it's just like, you guys kind of like took the opportunities of like, Oh, we're going to play a couple times a day and we're going to just work really hard. And so it, it was, it was such a culture shock to me being on that tour though at 18, because like I, you know, like, dude, that was like my like fourth 
tour ever. It was it was definitely my longest tour I ever got to do. But because um, yeah. before that it was like I did like you know two and a half weeks here, a week there, you know, five shows to like Seattle and back, shit like that. But Warp Tour was just like, oh my god, I'm in a different place every day. I'm waking up. I, I go outside, I don't know where the fuck I am or what I'm doing or any of that stuff. And I just had, and I got really like, um, I, I absorbed that summer. I watched so many people all the time every day. I just, I made it a point to watch bands all day long when I wasn't okay. having to like watch Absolutely. merchandise or whatever for, for uh, the eyeliners. But dude, I got to tell you too, man, that summer, <laughs> it was like, I went into it. Like, I'm like, oh, I only have to play drums. Sick. But it was like, they didn't really tell me that I needed to do more than that. You know what I mean? At the start. So I was just, it was just like miscommunications from the, from the gum. Like, Oh, I didn't know you wanted me to help you, uh, bring the amps out in the morning. Like, I'm sorry about that. Or like, Oh, you, you need me to set up merch too. Okay, cool. Like, just tell me what I need to do and I'll, I'll do it. You know, I wasn't above anything, but I, I honestly, I just, I didn't know. I was just a fucking kid, you know? Like, yeah. I'm like I'm a hired drummer. I'm here to play drums. I didn't realize I had to do all the other, all the other stuff. And and you know I got to do two tours with them, and I knew going into it that I was only going to do those tours, and because they wanted to bring other dudes behind the kit, you know, dudes or, or girls, whatever. And uh, yeah. and that was you know that was like a taste of it. And so then I decided to move out to California, you know, the following year. And that was I was wild, man. You know the whole the whole thing. Well, I, I mean, I've watched your entire career. Like I've I've seen it and at times have been so jealous, but always in like the best way, being like, that motherfucker, like that is so cool. You know, <laughs> um, you know what like, else is crazy as fuck about all of you guys too? I remember you weren't in third estate anymore when this happened, I don't think, right? Two thousand seven, I uh I was on warped yeah, no. and our bass player at the time, Ryan Ghost, was like, Hey hey, I'm giving you guys like giving you guys like a 45 day window like i'm still going to tour with you but i gotta find gotta find bass player i do remember this because merman Merman, yeah that's dude i was like running around warped with my fucking head cut off i was like i was like dude our bass like because we had a bass player and a violin player and like you know they they needed to leave the band you know and so i was like fuck dude this sucks and i'm like and i've i just you know gotten the band like two years prior and we're trying to build this thing and everything, and it just like wasn't working out for them. And I remember just running around, and then I see Will. Will's like doing merch. He's like, "Why don't you get like Ronnie Ficaro? And I'm like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "Is that is that a real thing?" Because I, dude, I don't want to like, I didn't want to like take anybody out of bands or anything, but like, it just sounded to me like maybe Third Estate wasn't active, right? Or correct me if I'm wrong. Like, what was? Uh, I'm not sure what they were doing then. But you weren't but... in the band anymore, right? No, no, yeah. I was out of the band in 2005. Okay, um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I told Ron? He flew out to Texas and he like tried out for us. I already knew he was the guy, but just out of respect, we needed to try out the other people that um that yeah, had course. that put their names in the hat. And I remember calling Ron. I'm like, "Hey, Ron, just wanted to just wanted to say sorry, dude, but uh, you got the gig." <laughs> that's I bet he said. loved that knowing how he is <laughs> like that must have made him crazy oh yeah I, I said I'm sorry first like, so it, it, he just had this array of emotion because I, I knew the guy for a while but it was just like yeah. you know once he joined the band and then you know what's fucking crazy it was like I was only in that band for another like three months or something or four months yeah. and then I was like I can't I can't take this anymore just of, of the circumstances again like all of us have made up we're all good you know the I am yeah. ghost people. We we actually we actually got on like a, a Zoom call at the at the top of the year, like that like the OG I am ghost people, like Steve and Gabe and like Kareth and Brian and stuff. And oh, we were sure. we were just like yeah, we we're just like ta- we're just catching up and like making amends. And you know I don't think anything's ever gonna come of that, but um, but at least we all know that like we can live with each other and just you know clear the air if there if there was any bad blood or whatever and like we're we're good you know so um i feel i feel good about that so i don't don't talk to steve like all the time but we we definitely talk you know it's great each other like memes and shit (laughs) just dumb stuff um but yeah but ronnie was like such a huge uh he's been a huge part and and just like my life and then you know he played in this other band with me and then that was uh you know that was a time and then that was it, you know. And then we, and then we both played for like Thomas and Nicholas for a second. Yep. Played for Mest, you know. Yep. <laughs> before before you came that. along, actually, when you know? when uh, 
I forget what we were doing, but I was trying to find some live performance of like from a, a mess show back in the day. And I was on YouTube and I found one when you and Ronnie were filling in and yeah. we were playing with Goldfinger. And you guys sounded so fucking good. It was just so <laughs> tight and, and flawless. And I love watching you play because you have such a signature style to you. Like if if you just had like a screen up so I could only see your shadow, I could know from a thousand miles away that was you playing drums. <laughs> oh man. Um, because you have this like very particular cadence to like the way your motion is. Like, cause I, like when I'm watching a drummer play, I'm watching what their, like I'm watching every little movement and how their body is. And like, it's, it's, it's weird, but that's just like what I'm always looking for. And I always thought um, right from the get go, I remember in 2002, you sat behind uh, my drum set and you were playing some beat. I'm like, God damn it. Like, get off my drums. <laughs> like, I don't want you playing around these dudes. Like, I, I don't want to lose my no, gig. Oh, dude. Yeah. You were I, like, I yeah. No. Were so, like, so exciting to watch. And like, you were one of my all time favorites to watch that summer. It was like you and Brandon from The Used and Brooks Wackerman when he was playing with Bad Religion. Yeah, dude. And, he was fucking nuts. Like, fuck. You know, you know what little shithead was like really good too. Fucking, uh, he was the only other like young guy besides all of us on the tour. Was Alon? I I call him a little shit. I'm just oh, kidding. Oh, he was fucking freaks of nature. No, yeah, no, no, Alon Rubin, dude. You remember him? Yeah. He was in that. Yeah, yeah F O N. Playing... Yeah, that's what that stands for. Yeah. I just remember the sticker. It said featuring our 14 year old drummer, and I was like, and I had to play yeah. after him, and I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I was kind of walking around Warped Tour. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm 18. Like, I'm one of the youngest guys out here. Fuck yeah. And then, like, this Alon guy comes along. And I'm like, god damn, dude. I think I was with you because they were playing the Kevin Says stage. Yeah, yes. It was like everybody was watching. And it was all these people from the tour. And they're like, this dude studied under Travis Barker. Yeah. I was hearing, like, rumors. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I think he did, yeah. I was hearing all these rumors. And then I see this little kid playing open-handed (laughs) was <laughs> fucking ripping and he was sitting so high that's what i remember i'm like how can you play drums you're playing on your like tippy toes yeah you know and uh yeah and now it's fucking it's now he's in nine inch nails <laughs> now he's in nine inch nails yeah i i lost a Holy gig to shit. him i lost a gig to him i'm really glad i lost the gig to him but um to uh lost profits remember that band okay oh i got <laughs> i got <laughs> yeah i got asked to try out for them and i i I almost did it, you know, but he got in and out of the band before all of that stuff happened. Yeah. Um, that, that's that stuff. Yeah. He <laughs> like, I, I'll never forget like Ian, uh, not to, not to talk about him, um, you know, at all, but like, I just remember he followed our tour. I am ghost. We were out with like the Bronx and, uh, and Biffy Clyro and the audition. And he came out to like four of those fucking shows. And we like started talking and stuff. And when, after I left, I am ghost, like he, um, he and I would like talk on like instant messenger sometimes, you know, I had, I had no idea about any of this shit. And so, you know, but he was just like, he's like, Hey, I want you to like try out for my band. Like, you know, I, you know, I saw you play with I'm ghost. I heard you like you're available and this and that. I'm like, yeah, sure. Learn the songs. I got back to him and I guess I got back to him too late. He just like, he said, LOL. And that was the last time I had ever fucking smoked. him. that was in like 2000, yeah, 2008 or something. Yeah. No not fucking nuts. I mean, dude, literally <clears throat> everything. <clears throat> wow, I gotta clear my throat. Everything happens for a reason, man. Like every every little like life lesson, every every person you meet and you come across, it's like, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, you just try to be the best person that you can be. And bands like are destined to fail. You know, I was gonna say before we have to go to another commercial break, I was gonna say nine times out of ten, Gary, uh, bands fail, and one in ten that don't were the ones that were too stupid to stop. And that's yeah. uh, that's that's music for all of us, man. I, I, that is so true. You know, and then like and Dave, I I don't know if you know this either, but like I did a session with Dave with this this kid named Billy. Uh, fuck, I'm already forgetting his last name. Wow. Oh, anyway, I met him like a couple of times. Billy Barber, I think. Billy something. It wasn't Barber. That's another guy. Anyway, this guy named Billy uh, hired me to come play drums on his record, and like Dave was like the producer on it and i had to go to i had to go to boston um to record at the studio and i don't think that album ever saw the light of day but i got to hang out for a couple days i made some good money and we went out and had some drinks and you know i I caught up with dave and that was it it's the only time i really got to meet him but um yeah i i felt like he was the one i knew the least out of like all of you guys 
Yeah, I mean, Ronnie and I were pretty much inseparable um, uh, for like any time we're out. You know, he's like w one of my absolute closest, nearest, and dearest friends. Yeah, and I know he is with with you as well. Um, but I'm happy to share that relationship because you know he's. I am like, too, man, and it's just like you know, Ron. Ronnie's always said that like you're you and I are his favorite people to to play with so well i'm i'm yeah. flattered to hear that well t tony and i were we were talking about you yesterday um and just like how, how like every time your name has ever come up in a conversation ever i've never heard a negative thing about you well it's, that's good man. He is just like he is the sweetest nicest guy in the world always like across the board and i mean i completely agree and that I think is why you've had such a, a successful career well, because you're consistently authentic and like you are what you are. Well, th thank thank you, man. Be before we go to before we go to a commercial break, oh, sure. I'm gonna say that uh, I'm gonna say I think in my career that's helped and hurt me. You know? Oh, I would. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that. I've had that bite me in the ass too. Yeah, so to speak. So, all right, well, we'll be right back with Gary Foster from Mest, and uh, don't go anywhere here on IW Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> Joke ever, right? Yeah, best best joke, best. What'd you say? Best joke or best book? What'd you say? Joke. Joke. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sometimes it's hard on this Zoom stuff. Can you believe it? We could do this Zoom shit. Like now, I can just have anybody from all over the globe on uh on a little radio show. That that. It's awesome. You know that that I do. I don't know if it's little. Who knows? I don't think it's big. I mean, I, I think it's big enough. Think it's it's big enough. You know, I I had a, I had a, I had a billboard. Give once. yourself an extra inch, man. It's an it's inch. Big All right. It, it is okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, man. So I mean, like with with everything that you have going on, mm -hmm. with with mess and everything, like what what are what are the next things that are coming up? I I had Tony on my show like um I want to say like a, like like a month or two ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, what what do you think is coming up next for you as far as like gigs or? Or drumming because I see so, that mess is uh is active again. I think this is coming out in October, so okay. Yeah. Yes, uh, we have been active. Uh, we did a, a headlining tour this summer. Uh, we just did four chord, and now uh, September October we're going out with Bowling for Soup and Authority Zero, and then following that tour we're going to Japan. Uh, That's gonna be so much fun. You're going in November. I can't fucking wait. Okay, you guys, for real, when you go to Japan, you have to go uh, see my friend Taka. I'm pretty sure Tony knows him. Oh, Tony! Tony's friends with Taka. Yep. He, was, gotta, talking, gotta he was talking about him. Yeah. You're going to have so much fun. It, it was, I can't wait. It was a wild night going, going, to, going to see Taka. I'm um, very excited about it. Yeah, just uh, make, sure, make sure your liver is ready, you know, for, okay. for all the things <laughs> in Japan. Um, I'll bring an extra one. Have you ever have you ever been to Japan? Uh, no, I've had two opportunities to go, okay. and both times they fell through, um, and mm -hmm. it was just really unfortunate. They were both over dumb circumstances too, so it it sucked that 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 was the case. So How long are you over there? Um, we're gonna be there for like a week. It's not not too long. Okay. How many How many shows are you doing over there? Four or five, I think. Okay. So like because yeah, we're doing like Tokyo and Osaka. Okay, sick. We're gonna have so yeah. much fun, man. I'm now. You're talking about how you're jealous. I am equally as jealous. I think we call that envious, right? That's the that's the definition because it's like I don't okay. like hate you or like, you know, you don't hate me. I don't think. Um, oh, yeah. God, so we're. No. I love you, dude. Are you <laughs> so, kidding me? Yeah. So we're. Yeah. It's. I think that. I think the word's envious, but um, yeah, man. I would suggest you have an open mind and an open heart and uh try to not try try to just take everything and don't sleep a lot you know that's my plan i would want to absorb everything that i possibly can and experience all those things i think the entire time i was there i was there for 5 days i slept in those 5 days maybe uh if you combine everything maybe like fuck i don't know like 14 hours <laughs> You know, in those five days, because I just wanted to see it all. I wanted, I wanted to go out, yeah. wanted to walk well, the I mean, streets. It's, you know, it's the fucking opposite side of the the world. Um, and yeah. that's that's the way that I'm looking at it is 
I've never been there before. When's the next time I'm going to get to go there? I mean, I'm going to be 43. I'm actually flying there the day that I turn 43. No and I don't way. Care the best birthday present ever. Wow. Um, That's dope, yeah. dude. Yeah. So, By the time I mean, this comes I'm, out, I'll already, I'll already be 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm yeah. Did you, when you turned 40, did you have like a, uh, what do you call it, like a midlife crisis? Did, did you ever, did you ever hit that? Uh, I don't know. It ha- I turned 40 during the pandemic. So okay. I didn't really have much of anything. It was just like, were you still working it, as like an was, EMT or were you like, uh, no, no, I was still like, I wasn't doing anything. Cause I, I've been active doing music again. Yeah. So, um, but when I started doing music again, I was filling in for anybody that I could get a gig with, uh, doing a ton of session work and like really like getting burnt out pretty much. Cause I was playing with so many different people and, and just whatever I could get my hands on, which, you know, you have to. And, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but I mean, turning 40, I didn't have a party. Uh, it didn't really, I don't, I don't think we did anything. So this will um, be my 40th birthday party. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, by the time you listen to this, I have no idea what, what I will have done for my 40th. I, I think the older you get, the birthdays get less and less. You I, know, I got to confirm yeah. this because I, mm-hmm. I know I've done this to you like two or three times because I have your birthday. <laughs> I was looking through our times on my phone. I was looking through the text. Well, OK, first off, I think how that started was because of Adrian. Adrian said like, oh, happy birthday. And then like all these people were like, happy birthday. I'm like, why does Adrian think that's my birthday? And now all these other people think it's my birthday. It's in September. You had it right. But I realized since then we had we hadn't like talked a lot. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like on on text. And that makes me a bad friend. So, well, it it makes me a bad friend, too. So (laughs) not not even a little bit. Oh, my God. I'm dude. I'm so happy you're going to Japan. That fucking rocks, man. So yeah, by the time this airs, I mean you'll you'll probably be on the road with uh with Bowling for Soup, and uh, I'm thrilled about that. And Authority Zero, I mean we we did a run with Authority Zero uh with Unwritten Law um mm. over the winter time, and it was great. Chris Daly, the drummer for Authority Zero, is just the the sweetest dude, and the whole the whole band is wonderful. But I'm I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Um, it should be, be it should be a good tour, man. I mean, yeah, like the Bowling for Soup guys. Have you met them yet? Have you done? Um, I did uh Jarrett and Gary's podcast and oh, I've, cool. I've never met them in person. Um, okay. I've seen them on warp tour. I mean, we did warp tours when they were playing, but um, you know, saying hi and passing is a lot different than having any sort of relationship, you know. Sure, yeah. I know um <laughs> I know Rob, you know, the, the yeah. bass player. He dude, I I didn't know he was like a drummer, and then I heard about like all that like stuff with uh the Ataris, and then I was like, Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I, I was at one of those shows when when he was there. No they, fucking they, way, really. Yeah, they played Water. They played Water Street. Uh, remember Water Street Music Hall? Oh yeah, I, you know I only got to play there one time in my whole career. It's cool. Play- fucking, it's back open too. I, I believe the original owner um, oh. has it too. So, um, yeah, I remember I was playing with uh. <laughs> I was I was playing drums. I was filling in for the band Aiden at the time, and that's when I got oh, to yeah. play. That was in 2011, and I remember us getting no stage room. We were opening up for uh, we were opening up for Escape the Fate back then, and it was just like we got no room on the stage. I was like, wow, I got to put my drums here. You're pretty much playing like at the monitors, like right up yeah. to the front of the stage. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because that stage isn't like I guess it's not that big, right? It's like big well, enough. Well, there's the club side and then they have the main side. The main side's pretty big, but even if you're uh, playing in front of that riser, yeah, there's not space. But if yeah. you're on the club side, which they will put bands in front, your elbows are going to bash into the kick drum when you're playing, you know, you're like right smushed up against it. Yep. That, that is that, man. Well, we have yeah. like, we have like four minutes left. And so okay. uh, I was going to say like, what, yeah, just just go over everything that um that I'll you're doing. Going. I got stuff we can your, talk about. Yes, yeah, you're yeah. Uh, what else so, is happening with with Mest? What's going on with well with Mest, drumming? Yeah, uh, we have a brand new record okay. that I was very very fortunate to be able to play the drums for. Um, Sick. So I it's I've never played like that. It was like the most work I put into recording it. Um, 
Tony had been writing it throughout the pandemic and sending me demos. He was writing it with uh, writing the songs with Taylor Carroll from Lit, the drum from Lit mm. and Chemical Fire. Um, and uh, so we went into the studio in October and October, November, and then finished it up in December um, with like two sessions at Skylit Sound. And uh, the songs, I mean, it's everything that you would expect from a mess record. And then I think it exceeds that. I know Tony is incredibly proud of it. It's some of the best writing I've ever heard, you know, coming from him. It's just spectacular. And uh, I think everybody's going to fucking love it. Um, and I'm not trying to sound like, oh, because I'm on it or anything like I When's it coming out? Um, I don't have a date for the release on that yet. Okay. Um, so um that is something that I don't have an answer to. Hopefully, oh, uh, th- well, it'll be out this year. Oh, okay. Um, like twenty twenty three. Um to the best of my knowledge, that is that is still the the course. So okay. we did uh a red uh we got two videos shot for it already and mm-hmm. uh the first single is called when we we're young and okay. uh, it's I, I can't wait for you to hear it i would i would love to hear what you think about my drumming on it um oh, you're i'm gonna sure it was great the snare drum that i used was danny carey's snare drum that he uh played undertow on oh my and if god you go on the uh if you go online there's a video of him doing it at sound city with that snare drum this is like 50 pound sonar that uh oh, shit. it's just the loudest most offensive snare it's fucking great <laughs> i love that man and then if people yeah. want to find you personally on the internet uh where where do they go uh best place to find me is on instagram at gary under underscore smash gary underscore smash and then you got any plans for 2024 that you could talk about yet uh, i'm sure that we're going to be doing more touring and you know, playing drums and being a dad and a husband. Yes. Yeah. And uh, bouncing around. Yeah. You guys are just out with that band Makeout, right? Yes. We yeah. Sure I think were. I got a te- I got a text from you or Scott. I can't remember at this point. Scott. But, Scott. Yeah. I love Scott, man. He's, he's a good dude. He's a fucking hell of a dude and a one- fucking killer drummer. Killer too. drummer, man. I don't know why he doesn't come back over here more or what's what's keeping yeah. him, you know? But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I heard it's just really hard if you're in Australia. To just like it is. get over here it and is. just do the do the damn thing, you know. Well, it was hard to follow him every night because they uh, were direct support. So it's like, fuck, I got to play extra hard tonight because this fucking kid is up here killing it. Yeah, he 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 does rip. He he's a good drummer, but um, yeah. but I mean, Gary, like you, you just are like, uh, you're you're fucking up there, man. You know, again, I love watching you play. Anytime I can, I can see you. You know, hopefully when you come out to California next, I'll be able to catch it. But um, yeah. Well, we'll have we'll have time, and if not, I will make time, and I will fucking rent a car, and I will come to you. All right, <laughs> you heard you heard it first, you know. So Probably. cool. Well, Gary Foster from uh, Mest, thank you so much for being on my show. And uh, coming up next is Gone Fishkin here on Adobe Radio, and my show airs every single Thursday at eight PM Eastern, five o'clock Pacific. And uh, yeah, Gary, thanks again for for everything, man. Ryan, I will thank uh, you. I will ta- I will talk to you. I will talk to you soon, and I'll see everybody else next week right here on IW Radio.